Tonight is our last evening in the Radical Acceptance course. Since it is Christmas time, I would like to bring Jesus into the game, <laughs> like last year and the year before. And I would like to uh, you know, contemplate uh, some of the stories in the light of uh, the course we just finished with a diploma, a self-acceptance diploma. And already uh, last time and before, we pointed to that the deepest self-love is uh, the process of awakening into your true nature. The other stuff we also do, like uh, Christine F. self-compassion, that's all uh, provisional crutches, necessary crutches. Today I want to uh, invite you to connect to or open to what you could call Christ consciousness. So there is Jesus the man and I want to do some advertising for Jesus the man but also Jesus is an embodiment of Christ consciousness. The word Christ comes from a Sanskrit uh, word, which is, uh, the Sanskrit word is Krishna. Krishna consciousness, Christ consciousness. And obviously when I say Christ consciousness, uh, if I would use a kind of a Buddhist uh, equivalent for that word, I would use the words I usually use, yeah, so Tibetan Rigpa or essence love, the term of Sokni Rinpoche or innermost awareness, the translation of Rigpa, the English translation of Rigpa, or one of the translations of Rigpa. So don't, don't get to hang up on, on terms. And whenever I use a word like that, essence love or Christ consciousness, it's good to stay aware that I'm pointing to something which is undescribable, ungraspable. So it's easy to get like, when we hear Christ consciousness, that kind of some connotations come up. Maybe you have had not so, maybe you have not so nice uh, or like a almost negative connotation with the word Christ or Jesus. So. It's good to kind of drop all of that and open to the mystery in these words, that they are undescribable, ungraspable, and they will remain a mystery. Yet, we all know what it is on a deep level. So there is, on one hand, this challenge that you know, some of you might even kind of have, you know, maybe you have rejected the teachings of Jesus. So that's one challenge. But the positive or the potential in this is that through the teachings of Jesus and through the image of Jesus, you can reconnect with something from your roots, from your culture, from your ancestors. So there could be there could have been moments in your childhood which you still remember, like Santa Lucia, 
carrying the candle. Some of you girls did that, probably. And, uh, you know, children are... Uh, sometimes when we were children, we were kind of somewhat, somewhat more open to the mystery of this evening, the mystery of light, you know, the light in Scandinavia, which is such an important part of your culture. And here light also, not as light, just light, but as, uh, as the radiance of uh, essence love. For personally, for me, this was very important to, uh, to you know, bring the little boy who was open to light. And uh, I mean, if, you know, if you if you tell a child to light a candle in front of the Buddha, it's no problem. They understand it. So when we light a candle uh, in front of the Buddha, all this discussion comes, oh, it's superstitious, and I'm not doing this kind of stuff, and what's, you know, what's the point? And uh, so there is something in us in this childlike innocence, and sometimes it is an opportunity for us through the teachings of Jesus, because they are just more, they are deeper in your culture, and we can even go further back. I mean, all the light, you know, Santa Lucia survived in wasteland, Protestantic wasteland of Sweden, because it was connected with, you know, your pagan pagan uh, roots. So that's why it was, uh, that's why it's still, I mean, there's not many other saints around here. <laughs> but this little girl carrying light. So, and sometimes, uh, when we go into Eastern uh, traditions, um, it can, uh, you know, sometimes it's more difficult to get into that innocent, childlike wonder. For some people, somehow, you know, some people are karmically just more connected <laughs> with the Buddhist teachings. So that's also possible. So I would like to uh, start uh, with a quote. Um, and this is not from Jesus, uh, but from a, from a Christian mystic, uh, Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton. He was a Trappist monk, a Catholic monk. Uh, he died in '68 uh, or something like that. And he was actually on the journey where he died. He he died in Bangkok. He. On that journey, he actually met His Holiness the Dalai Lama and also two or three Dzogchen masters. And, and there's, a, there's a book, uh, his diary was, was published, uh, where he uh, describes uh, the, the encounters with uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. He's, a, he's a really an amazing writer, Tom, Thomas, Thomas Merton. And so this is a, this is a quote from him. Life is this simple. We are living in a world that is absolutely transparent and the divine is shining through it all the time. We are living in a world that is absolutely transparent and the divine is shining through it all the time. So absolutely transparent, in Buddhist terms, empty. 
So the world is absolutely empty. It is already empty. It exists and does not exist. Kind of that emptiness. The divine is shining through it, throughout, uh, through it all the time. Essence love, or Buddha nature, or the Dhammakaya, or the pure land of the Buddhas is shining through it all the time. Lama Yeshe is saying, heaven is now, it is a matter of recognizing it. And Christmas is, is the time of the year where out of particular reasons that divine presence can be more can can be more uh, it's just more in the air we don't we don't it's not so likely to find or to to recognize that radiance in the inn yeah you remember Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem, there was no place in the inn. Because Christ's consciousness can't be born in the inn. Christ's consciousness is born in the stable, in simplicity, in, in quietness. And the stable is a symbol for the body. So Christ's consciousness is, is born in the stable with uh, between animals so animals is our animal our instinctual nature what could be your stable yeah in in this time so that christ consciousness can come through through your body what is important when we read these stories and this is also true for buddhist stories it's a very important point that these stories are myth. It's silly to discuss, did it really happen? That's not the point. These stories, uh, these stories, they are description of inner experiences, symbolic descriptions of inner experiences. So when you hear in the Buddhist teachings that Padmasambhava was born from the lotus, did that really happen? Obviously not. Never ever was a human being on this planet born from a lotus. (laughs) This is a symbolic, it's a myth, it's describing uh, an, an inner experience. And if we take these uh, stories as literal and we put them out there and missing the point that it is actually describing how in our life Christ consciousness or Padmasambhava consciousness is born from a lotus. So what does the lotus mean? It is born from the mud in this world. Without mud, no lotus. Without pain, no awakening. Quite a lot of Tibetans, also Christians, they are in a mythic state of your of their practice. So a mythic state. So what that means is a lot of Tibetan teachers I met, they take these stories literal. They they would argue that Padmasambhava was born on a lotus. 
And for us it's like, come on. Mm-hmm. It's so helpful to look in the way now I look at Jesus' stories, uh, story, to look at in the same way also on the Buddha's stories. I mean, did the Buddha, you know, after he was born, did he make seven steps and the step a lotus was came out? No. <laughs> a t- traditional Tibetan teacher would take this literally. He would say, this is how it was. But that's how we disconnect from these stories. So they are meant for us to live them, to get into them, to feel. How is it to hang there on the cross? How is it to carry the cross? And not discuss, yeah, did it really happen? Maybe there never was someone like Jesus or Buddha. It doesn't matter. So I would like now to just have a little meditation of uh, arriving and then I will do some advertising for Jesus. And then after the break I would like to I do a Jesus meditation. So, Guru Yoga with Jesus. And I'm allowed to do that because Lama Yeshe is also doing it. What's the day today? 18th. So, we are approaching the winter solstice. Solstice? Solstice. yeah. Solstice. So, uh, that's... Um, I mean that's an important day here. Yeah. So the so the so the it, the, it that's the turn. So so the light comes in again. Yeah. And here, you know, light and Jesus. I mean, there's so many. He's using the image of the light a lot. <coughs> I am the light and. So let's. Take a few moments to reconnect, uh, and you turn your intention more inwards into your inner life without losing the connection with the surroundings. Softening and sliding into the body. Also the body, the stable, within which Christ's consciousness is born. And you allow thoughts to drift into the background. And even if you have your eyes closed, you might still notice the light coming in. How is your belly and your shoulders? Maybe with the out-breath, there can be a bit of letting go. 
letting go of the doing, fixing, controlling. So you slide gently into present moment, loving awareness. Present moment, loving awareness. And you feel how you're surrounded by light. So if Santa Lucia has a meaning for you or returning on the 21st, so this is the time where in the north people turn to the light. And then if you notice that you get entangled into the stream of thinking, you just return to the felt sense in your hands or in your belly. But keep the heart, keep the mind open. light of Christmas, of Christ consciousness, bathing you, surrounding you. Allow yourself to find a place of rest. Nothing needs to change. The light of Santa Lucia, the light of Christ consciousness, dispels all darkness. In a blink of in a blink of an eye. And returning, resting.
appreciating the aliveness, the flow of your breath. And, and if there's some discomfort, you just let it be. There's enough space. talked a bit about the stories around the birth of Jesus uh, last week, uh, so I, I want to point to some different things, but if you want you can listen to that uh, on my Facebook profile or I uploaded the first one onto SoundCloud, the first part already. But you all know the, the important ingredients of the story. so. The virgin birth. So, was there really a virgin birth? Come on. I mean, Joseph was a man, and you know. So, what what is the virgin birth? The virgin birth is uh, uh, a symbol for the experience that Christ consciousness has no conditions. It's not born, it can't die, it has no parents. It's unconditioned. Yeah. So that's, you know, when we say in Buddhism, uh, it's beyond death. It's beyond birth, it's beyond death. So that's what the virgin birth means. And in Padmasambhava, also didn't have parents. So and it is a description of your Christ consciousness. So there's the conditioned level. No? That's our you know, our psychological history and and so on and so on. And then there's the unconditioned. And unconditioned means there's no conditions. It is not it's not born, it it, it will never die. So and the virgin and the virgin birth, the birth, the 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 coming, uh, the coming of Christ's consciousness through you. As I said, that's not happening in the inn. All the rooms are full. It's not happening in the shop, shopping mall. It's actually not happening at all in the way most of us celebrate Christmas. For in many families, this is completely lost. That's sad. So then there is the, the shepherds, yeah, and they see the star. So again, light, yeah, the star, and they get afraid. And then there's an angel coming, also light, a light being, and saying, don't be afraid. 
Christ was born. And then there's the three wise men from the East. Obviously, that's are the that's are the Tibetan lamas, the three wise men from the East. So, I mean, if we read the story as a, like a little story which happened or not happened, yeah, yeah then then we miss the point to go into the story to feel how is it to be the shepherds. How is it to be the three wise men and make offerings to the uh, to the embodiment of Christ consciousness? How is it? How does it feel for the shepherds to get afraid of their own inner light, so that a that an angel needs to appear to reassure them? Don't be afraid. It's like it's it's like a guided meditation. It's a sadhana. <laughs> the Jesus story is a sadhana, and and it, sadhana is the is the Sanskrit word for this uh, tantric meditation manuals where where you are guided through the process of awakening. So what I personally like uh, with the story of Jesus, and and that's why it's one of the reasons why I never let go of Jesus. I always had a secret Jesus book with me uh, in in the monastery. Uh, Because at least in the Tibetan tradition, you know, Buddha and also this kind of guru thing, they are kind of a bit above. They are already enlightened. Like, that's the Tibetan story. The Buddha was already born. I mean, he was born, that was just a show. He was already full, and he was above everything. Whereas Jesus is like a man, and he suffers. He is not like, uh, no, he doesn't take it easy. He, he, He experienced the same kind of temptations, like the three temptations, you know, in his retreat, 40 days in the desert, and he is, uh, and he's losing it. So he goes again and again to what is called in the Christian mysticism, the dark night of the soul. He makes mistakes, yeah, and also it's nice that he hangs out with prostitutes and drinks wine and enjoys food and uh, and he is he is like with those pe- he's with the outcasts you know the Tibetans they are so tribal they are so ethnocentric they are I mean if you look at the Tibetan tradition in the hierarchy how many foreigners are sitting there none is that because we are stupid, or you know, there is not people who have genuine uh, insights, uh, Westerners. No, of course not. And that's what I like with Jesus. That's also what I like with the Christian tradition. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you are from Africa or South America, or it doesn't matter. For the Tibetans, you need to be Tibetan. Not only that, you need to be a Tibetan man. 
So what I'm doing right now, I like that also with Jesus because he is not afraid to criticize bullshit and point to bullshit when there's bullshit. He criticizes the establishment. I like that. Brings me joy. (laughs) And he's alone. So that's also the teaching of Jesus is the kingdom of God is within, within you. No priest, no institution, no club can give you that. He dies alone. But he went east for many years, didn't he? Yeah. Is that Bushi too? I don't know. But I don't want to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I want to um, point to a specific thing. Well, I don't know why I will go. I don't have a fixed plan. But so one thing is what we see in the stories of Jesus is how he realigns with the divine again and again. So, and that is what I kind of want to, that's maybe one of my main points tonight, uh, to kind of be inspired by that. How he, in doubt, in great challenge, in great pain, again and again, realigns with that which is divine. He realigns with the path. And you're supposed to do the same. (coughs) To prioritize uh, the, the call. To make it the most important thing. To put that into the center of your life. And then you will lose it. You will get it lost in the, in the shopping mall. You will, you will be, there will be temptations, like in the, you know, the three temptations in the desert. It, it's amazing. These three temptations is exactly what is happening to us. Uh, pride, attachment to pleasure, uh, uh, kind of a puffed up, uh, kind of like I'm special because I practice meditation or something like that. So and then again and in the three three temptations, Jesus like the Buddha under the Bodhi tree, no Mara appears. And uh, Jesus decides again and again to align with Christ consciousness, to put that into the center. If you don't do that in your life, we, we miss the point of this life. We miss the point of the precious human life. And we will know it. And that is so, uh, that is so inspiring uh, to, to read the story of Jesus that he is doing that as a man, as, you know, as a just like us. So, one of the first um, 
moments where this where this appears is when he gathers his disciples. So he is going to this. It's around this lake, and so he's gathering. He is gathering his twelve students. And um, then he says this. So, then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. So when he says follow me, he does not mean follow me, Jesus the man. He means follow me, Christ consciousness. Turn away from your selfish way means turn away from, oh, what about me, what about me? Where can I get the most entertainment? For free, the best is for free. Because everything needs to be for free. What about me mantra? <coughs> Obviously, and we have, I think, I hope we cleared that up, you know, this, uh, uh, that there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. It's necessary. Yeah, so, but here selfish means like this narcissistic self-importance, like to put um, to put uh, things into the center of your life where you really know and you feel it in your guts that this is not it. You compromise. And then with 50 you have your midlife crisis because you, you, know, you did too much of that. And if you never turn away from this and you take up your cross and you follow me, me means my follow Christ consciousness, or Christ consciousness within me, you, you will die with regret. You will get depressed. You will get anxious. Yeah. So now, the wonderful thing with Jesus is that you feel, really, that he loves you anyway. You can really fuck up big time. Yeah. He's going to sit down with you and share bread and wine. Here's bread, here's wine. Welcome. Welcome back. All your sins you know, sins is of course not a good word. No, the, I've, I've read that actually the original, how the word sin means missing the mark. So, missing your refuge, missing the mark. So, whenever you miss the mark in your life, for 20 years, if you sit down with Jesus, he says, your sins are forgiven. Now you're back, and you're welcome. Yeah. 
So take up your cross, what does that mean? Take up your cross means to take responsibility for your feelings. To stop to deny that you're struggling. To stop to deny that we are suffering. As a human family, we are suffering. This planet is suffering, we are suffering. And this kind of Instagram happiness, make-up stuff, is just bullshit. They are also suffering. After they have all taken on their things and made the selfie, they break down crying. <laughs> and take some cocaine for the next, uh, for the next <coughs> shot. I mean, I am, I'm exaggerating. But that's like take... Uh, Take up your cross. So that's, by the way, uh, you know this this beautiful journey. You know, uh, uh, Jesus is doing. I, my beautiful, it's 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 horrible. Yeah, but uh, when when he uh, walks uh, through the twelve way marks, or I don't know how they how they are called in. in it's like twelve incidences. Uh, while he is talking to, while he's carrying the cross uh, to uh, Golgatha, I don't know how it's called in English, but this this hill. That's the practice of Tom Man. You remember Tom Lan taking on the pain of every everyone and giving what is needed. So taking, breathing in the pain of everyone, breathing out Christ consciousness. So this uh, not this uh, this twelve stations or however they are called, they are actually also a guided meditation, and you can go through them. You know, in like I don't know, probably it does not exist in Sweden, but in many uh, small churches in Germany, Catholic churches, they have these way marks literally in the landscape, and and you walk. You make these processions, and there are certain prayers you do at each of these way marks. And if you do, if you are a Christian tantric practitioner, <laughs> uh, you, you would. Uh, and the Jesuits they do that, so they have like this guided med- meditation where they go into the scene and they relive the scene, yeah. and they all have profound meaning. So take up your cross as being who you are and uh, being in touch with your feelings, taking responsibility for your feelings, and follow me. And this is something, this follow me is like we, we do this every day, again and again. So in your, in your daily practice, but then also throughout the day. For example, through questions like, you know, the pointing out the uh, pith instructions like, what is aware? So that would be this, follow me. So what is aware? As pointers to the cognizant, empty, loving (coughs) nature of your own consciousness. 
And then he says, if you try to hang on onto your life, you will lose it. All all that which we uh, experience in the inn, in the shopping mall, we will lose it. For sure. It's not so important. I mean, of course, it's also, it's, I mean, I just bought myself a new iPhone. It's wonderful. I really like it. <laughs> and I use it. I, I, I have fun with it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if I, and it will break, I know that already, and probably it will be stolen or, you know, I will forget it somewhere or something like that. I'm already preparing myself for that. Uh, I'm, I, I'm not going to make a big, big drama out of losing it. It's not important. Hopefully. This will be the test. Yeah? <laughs> Unfortunately, then I can't make a Facebook post. <laughs> you know? uh, making a picture of the lost iPhone. <laughs> but this you know these are exactly the moments where you can test uh, well you, you, where you can feel oh yeah oh this is exactly now so turn from your selfish way take up your cross follow me so turning to Christ consciousness tr- turning to that which doesn't care about iPhone or not iPhone. It just cares about love, that's all. But if you give up your life for my sake, and again, for my sake, he's not talking about me. I mean, he is definitely not this kind of guru, cult leader, uh, like manipulating others and having his own agenda guy. Yeah? So. So when he says, follow me, he's pointing to Christ consciousness. But if you give up your life for my sake, so this is called refuge in the Tibetan tradition, in the Buddhist tradition. If you give up your life for my sake, so for your sake, and here your sake, you, you meaning Buddha nature, and for the sake of the good news, So good news here, that's the tantric teachings, obviously. The tantrayana, the vajrayana, that's the good news. You will save it. You will save your life. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? So what do you benefit from, you know, being famous, having a lot of things, you know, being successful in this in the worldly sense. What do what what do you benefit if you gain all that, but you lose your own soul? So, it's not necessarily. I mean, you no. Know, as a bodhisattva, uh, you you also. I mean, as a bodhisattva, a valid bodhisattva path is to be rich, famous, and have a lot of connections and be very active in social media. 
but you do it with a good heart. You do it because you, out of some reasons, you have resources, and you can, you can use these resources in a good way. So it's not so much. I mean, someone who has a very little and is like this, then he says, "Oh, I'm so spiritual because I have very little." Yeah. Uh, so it's not like the, from the outside you actually can't say. You you can't say. It's but you can know. So you can know, and that's the the message here. You can always realign yourself. So you notice, wow, gosh, I'm really I, I'm a, I became a little a bit corrupted here. You know, hanging around with all these productivity people. I had a good intention, but I, I, I get a little corrupted, uh, and I notice, you know, so, uh, so then, then you real, realign yourself. You miss the mark, so that's a better translation for you have sinned, you miss the mark, and you, you return, you realign yourself. Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So w what is so inspiring uh, with Jesus is, you know, the Buddha, he didn't, I mean, he didn't, he didn't fall. He didn't miss the mark in his life story. So, and that's for me so important with the teachings of Jesus. He is missing the mark, and then he realizes it himself. So, before the break, uh, one little story. It's one. It's this is a very I mean, if you go into this night, yeah, like as a tantric practitioner, let's see if I can now find it. So this is uh, the night before he goes to Jerusalem. do I have it? In the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Yes. So this is also the night uh, where uh, uh, his student Judas, I don't know how they pronounce it in English, but Judas is uh, you know, giving him this kiss, uh, uh, pointing Jesus out. And he knows already what is going to happen yeah, in, in, in that night. He actually, in the Last Supper, he points that out uh, to, to Judas. So he knows. <coughs> he, so, and this is uh, this, uh, this, um, this night. So then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. 
and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrow, sorrowful and troubled. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. You don't read that in the Pali Canon. You don't read that in the Tibetan tradition. To the opposite, they would say, a fully enlightened Buddha is not sorrowful and troubled. He is awakened. <coughs> I mean, they even deny to say, oh, my teacher is sick. They say, my teacher is showing the appearance of sickness. So that's why I needed Jesus. So then he, then he says to them, to these three, you know, Peter, one of his favorites, I can say a few words about Peter, because Peter it will betray him a, a, a night after, three times. I, actually, they all will betray him, all of them. Jesus will be alone, except three women will, with, we with, uh, will be with him. That says something about the feminine. So that will be his mother, and the sister of his mother, and his lover, Maria Magdalena. They will stay with him until the end. All his male disciples, gone. Not only gone, they betray him. They deny that they are connected with him. But Jesus knows that already. Yeah. And he has a already forgiven them. So then he says to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Remain here and watch with me. So, he, he, so there's the bigger group and then he goes with three of them to, to the place where he, uh, where he prays and then he says to them, be here, watch with, watch with, watch with me. That's all what he asks and they fall asleep. And that's, you know, what does it mean that his disciples fall asleep? It's like they become unconscious. They turn away from the divine, just like us. We become unconscious. We kind of, you know, entertain, and, you know, and, and, and we turn away from the light. We become dull. And they can't help themselves. It's not like it's so powerful that that becoming unconscious because we're afraid of the light. So he is alone. Yeah? He is alone there, and he is no. He is. He knows what is going to happen. And then. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed. He fell on his face. That's, that's not what an awakened person does, right? Falling on his face. But Jesus does. And prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. So, he does not want it. He is asking 
is there any way I can get out of this? I don't want to take on the cross. I don't want to practice Tonglen. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. let, this, let this cup pass from me. Just like us. Chicken out, chicken out. Oh no, this is too much. I might, I might not have my own bathroom. <laughs> and I definitely need my own bathroom. Let this cup pass. I don't, yeah? I don't want it. I don't want to have Christ consciousness. Because it's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is too little. It's 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 <coughs> unspeakable pain, suffering he is going through. So, but then now realigning with the divine, he says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So he falls on the ground, cries out, is alone, experiences the dark night of the soul, and then he realigns with not as I will. So that means not as my egoic structure wants, not as I will, not as my addiction wants, not as my reactivity wants, not as my violence wants, but as you will, as Christ consciousness, as essence love. Yes, and then he gets up. He walks back, wakes up at his disciples, and then Judas appears, pointing him out. And then he's brought to Jerusalem. I wanted to say something about Petrus, Peter. And then we have a break. Because Peter is this guy, he's a bit, bit boastful. Yeah? Like, he's like a, like a, I mean, he's not the smartest. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. And he's a bit boastful, like, when Jesus in the Last Supper says, you know, you are going to betray me. Of course, it's Peter who says, no, I'm not going to do it. Never. I will always stand up to you. Yeah. And then Jesus says to him, you know, Peter, before the rooster will cr crow or what, make the sound, two times you will have betrayed me and denied me three times. And, and, like, Peter, no, never. Yeah, so that's this kind of, yeah, maybe you get what I want to point to. Yeah? No, sometimes it's actually the quiet people who don't say much, who are much more reliable than the ones who have big mouth and have all the malas and you know all the right things and and then when 
you know, when it becomes difficult, they are all gone. <laughs> and suddenly you, you, there's this person you might have not even noticed. So, and again, that's when you read these stories about the Last Supper and the different characters in it, it's talking about you. It's, it, it's helping us to recognize the inner Peter. And it, it's helping us to recognize when we betray what is most important to us because we are chicken. We are chickens. We are afraid. We, 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 we are afraid of what other people might say. What, what do they think? We are stand, we are not, then we are not standing up to, to Christ's consciousness or to what is most important to us. Just like Peter. When he was saying it, he obviously thought this is true. Yeah. And did, did Christ, is, is Christ angry with him? No. He knew all of that. And, and he didn't point to his students because he knew it from himself. <laughs>